Welcome back, creepy crusaders, and thank you so much for tuning in for another mysterious and mutilating episode of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver. As far back as recorded, countless cultures have told stories of beings with the unique ability to change shape and metamorphose into something completely apart from their original form, twisting their bones and muscles into something more powerful than nature allows. In folklore, shape-shifting is the act of changing from one physical form into another. This amazing feat can be accomplished via magical spells, the magic powers of a talisman, or divine intervention itself. From the Vampiric Strogi of Romania, to the Lugaru of French Canada and Europe, to the Obake of Japan, and the Skinwalkers of the Navajo legend, stories of shape-shifting creatures have popped up all over the world, and new, first-hand accounts still make their rounds today. Today on this very special episode of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver, we'll explore some of these legends and also share some of the most terrifying shapeshifter stories we could find on the World Wide Web. So grab your garlic, pack your silver bullets, and join us for this hair-raising episode of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver! And featuring our very special guest, Hoso Teratoma. Say hi, Hosi! Okay, before we were so rudely interrupted by the theme song, I was trying to tell everyone that today is a very special episode because we are joined at Douche Manor by one of my very faves, the incredible Hoso Terra Toma. What do you mean? I'm Sigourney Beaver. No, what? <laughs> Hi. It's, it's the shape-shifting episode. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, did I ever tell you this? I, the first year of the season four airing, whenever a guy messaged me on Grindr being like, wait, are you Hoso Teratoma? Oh. I exclusively responded with, no, I'm Sigourney Beaver. And they said, pass. <laughs> I, I, then I get blocked, yeah. No! And I get no dick. And I was like, well. Damn. I had fun while it was lasting. Damn. But hi! Oh my god. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a wee bit hungover, but... But not too much. You're still good. You'll be shape-shifting into something incredible later after you've had some water. Oh my god. Hydrate. And you know what? We'll get through this. Because you were at Berlin last night. I was. In Chicago. I had a full day of drag. Um, I had dim sum and drag as a brunch. Yummy. And... uh, Busted my ass and then slept vampire style with my makeup still on. My I like wiped around the base because the base was gonna deteriorate, and um, I just kind of slept vampire style for like four hours. Are and you telling then... me that you didn't seal all of your makeup in plasti dip as usual? God damn it! Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> funny little story. Okay, season four. And Sig will never let go of this. And you know what? I'm sorry. Oh, are we talking about episode one? <laughs> yes. Because it, was, it, was okay. your, it wasn't the Plasti Dip. It was that, like, it hairspray. Was, well, it was also Plasti Dip. That You're was such an asshole. I know. I'm so You're sorry. Okay, this okay. This is what I'm talking about. It was, Professionalism. Okay, 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 okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, tough times. High measures. I was running out of time. I just um, finished my face makeup. But we were supposed to be on for the floor show in, like, what? fucking 10 15 minutes yeah very soon and i was like my entire body my entire upper body needs to be painted white and i 
don't have time. So I grabbed the white plastic dip, which is like a rubber industrial grade, like spray paint, by the way, people. The, this, you're not even supposed to inhale this. And I just went. Oh, but you've been <laughs> bathing in it for the last four years. I, okay, I stopped after Dragula because Dolly was like, if you don't stop, you will die. And told me this really ominous story. And what about, a way to go. And I, I know, what a way to go. But then also, like, I mean, write that on my tombstone. You know what I mean? And they're going to pass by and I was like, who is this idiot? What's uh, this plastic smell? Yeah, no, literally. <laughs> it's just like all over the, no. But then Dolly was telling me, because like um, this really ominous story about this girl that used to do that. And then just was terminally ill afterwards. I believe it. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I use, um acrylic paint which can't be um you know that that's not toxic right yeah i yeah. think so yeah yeah, yeah. but I, the part of the story is that you were frantically wildly spray painting your body all over not paying attention to the station behind you which was which you? was <laughs> mine which had my frankenstein wig on it <gasps> and you got paint on it and you spray painted that wig i know right before and okay we, was I, oh my god okay 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 i literally I, yeah i know i i still apologize to this day <laughs> and that was uh, that was a hectic day and you know what shape-shifting <laughs> Great segue. Truly. Oh my god, brief conversation about chef shifters. You know what? <laughs> that was Yeah, that was shape shifting for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what did you turn into? Um a hotter mess? Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, I I yeah, no. I don't know what I was thinking, but you know what? That was like me trying Actually, no, I lost a train of There was, was no time idiot. to think. It's crazy. Yeah, no, like, being there, especially the being episode behavior. one, we'd been filming for what? I think that was, like, our second day. Oh, yeah. Of, our and second or third day in front of cameras, period. And it was, like, the first floor show. Oh, my God. And it, everyone was so nerve-wracked. And everyone was, well, they had like, us all right crammed in that tiny-ass room, too. Yeah. And, uh, for you no know. For no reason. <laughs> and they do the fucking. And they, they, they still. Won't stop doing it, but the um the siren thing. Oh my god! <laughs> the stupid siren thing, and everyone's like so annoyed. I'm like, God damn, we're trying to get ready, but um, no, yeah, that was a hectic fucking day. And there was me with my outfit that was like a build on body outfit. Oh please, uh-huh. with like and a million strands uh-huh. of yeah. Oh my and god. I, yep. Yep. God fucking damn. Uh huh. My god, what a day! What a time! It turned out good. Yeah, no, yeah. you were sickening, bitch. Yeah, yeah, yours looked good, too. Thank you, Yeah, thank and you. no one saw the paint on my wig. Thank God. I, I, yep. And thank God, because it, hey, didn't need another. I want to talk uh, about sabotage. Yeah. Hoso Terasoma's going to bring it. God damn it. Okay, Warwick. Well, it was a mistake bringing that up this time, <laughs> but uh, let's First of on. many. First of many. <laughs> God damn it. Well. <laughs> Woke up at 9 a.m. to hop on a podcast not knowing that. You know what? I said that I said that once up for myself anyway. I woke you up at 9.30. I let you sleep in. That's true. That's true. And you know what? I stay I, I didn't stay up I, I didn't stay up too late last night. I was like, I I I came home at like what? Like sensible 3 a.m. It was fine. Very reasonable. Yeah, Very respectable. I slept like maybe yeah. five, six hours of sleep. It's not bad. Yeah. Well, you look good. Thank and you. you smell good too. Just thank so you. everyone knows. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's it's pink sugar. Do you know? Do you know about pink sugar? It's the, a like, cheapest, scrub. No, it's a it's a perfume. It's like the cheapest. It's like the cheapest, most synthetic smelling cotton candy smell that you can get from like any drugstore. Yeah, I love and, it. Yeah, and it's like 
so and the packaging is they haven't updated since fucking is the approximately brand 2005. Calgon? I have no idea. It doesn't Take even me away. For, I, I mean, from what I know, it doesn't even have a brand name. It is just as pink sugar and the most ugly font you've ever seen in your life. And mm. I live and it's like the most synthetic, like cheap hookery, like pink smell. Is that your drag spray? Is that your I, signature I think it's scent? funny. I think it's funny that like I look like that and I smell like synthetic pink. Mine is Eris <laughs> by Paris Hilton. Oh my god. Eris <laughs> by Paris. Please. Yes. They sell it at TJ Maxx. Oh my god. I used to wear these um there was a perfume company that used to produce perfumes based on mythical creatures. I can't quite Whoa. remember the name of it. They they shut down, which I'm so mad about. They used to make this scent called it's a scent that I wore on Dragula. And I mean, not that the, <laughs> the viewers can tell, but mm. um, there I'm was trying a scent. to remember. There were a lot of smells that I encountered that uh, well that <laughs> season. So and also well the basement also that we were getting ready, and I was oh, like, oh yeah, no, uh, the the bathrooms were getting out of hand. But no, yeah, I was wearing um, this scent called Cthulhu, which was based on Cthulhu, and it it it's, it sounds gross, but it had like notes of like seaweedy like ocean okay yeah i'm into it, it yeah was I very, like that. yeah it was like very like salty but still like very earthy um it, it was that sickening. sounds good yeah i know yeah. It, it, it it was really good and it like made me feel in character so i like kept using it and then they discontinued it <sighs> anyway yeah well if anyone knows anything that's like closer to how that sounds please let me know so shapeshifting. Shapeshifting, <laughs> yes. The mythology of shapeshifters goes back to the oldest forms of totism. Whoa. With totemism. Totemism. Yeah. You're so much better at reading than I am. Oh, I mean. <laughs> no, I just had the time to look at it. <laughs> I just sorry. Had a, I just had a, time, a second to look at I it. I did wake all. you up at 9.30, so yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Totemism and shamanism, as well as the oldest existent literature and epic poems such as the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Iliad. In folklore, the most popular shape-shifting creatures tend to be werewolves and vampires, mostly of European, Canadian, and Native American slash early American origin. Um, Ichidari Nag and Ichidari Nagin, the shape-shifting cobras of India, the Huli Jing of East Asia, including the Japanese Kitsune and the Korean uh, Kumiho, um, Kitsune. Kitsune. Yeah, oh, Kitsune. damn it. I tried. And um, Kumio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, thank love you. those ones. There were a lot of a lot of new words for me today. And gods, goddesses, and demons like succubi and incubi of other numerous mythologies. Today we'll take some time to dig into the two big of the um, above-mentioned lore, werewolves and skinwalkers, as well as take a look at some eyewitness accounts of shapeshifters encountered in the real world. Picture it. The clouds part on a chilly autumn night as the wind whistles through the trees, newly bare from their fallen leaves, to reveal a full moon high in the sky. You feel a twinge of pain in your forearm and sense a lump has grown in your throat. You know what's coming. Panicked, you find a secure place to spend the evening because you know that if you don't get to safety soon, all hell will break loose and you may not have any recollection of what transpired on this fateful evening. Sounds like a Friday night at Berlin, Sounds right? Sounds like cancer. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, too personal. Go on. Oh. 
Um, <laughs> as the moon rises to its final position in the night sky, you feel your joints start to pop and crack. Your skin stretches across the ridges of your spine as you begin to contort yourself into odd, inhuman shapes, feeling every twist and pull as the transformation begins. After what seems like hours, it is complete. You rise to your feet, unsure of who you are or how you got there. An insatiable hunger comes over you. You must feed. You must howl. You have to. The idea of the werewolf devouring human flesh can easily be traced back to the Middle Ages, fueled by that pesky little thing called Christianity. Ugh. However, stories of humans turning into wolves take their roots in earlier pre-Christian beliefs. A handful of examples of men changing into wolves can be found in ancient Greek literature and folklore. Uh, Perotus wrote in his Histories that the Neri, a tribe ascribed from the northeast of Scythia, were transformed into wolves once each year for several days and then changed back into their human shape. In the 2nd century BC, a Greek geographer... Posanius told the story of King Lycon of Acadia, who ended up transformed into a wolf because he had the absolute gall to sacrifice a child at the altar of Zeus. Ovid also retold this story in the Metamorphosis. When Zeus visits Lycon disguised as a common man, Lycon wants to test if he really is a god. In order to do so, he kills a uh, Molossian hostage and serves his entrails to Zeus. Okay. She's serving... <laughs> Disguised by him, Zeus turns. Go on. <laughs> there we go. Okay, saved it. Disgusted by him, Zeus turns Lycan into a wolf. Goddamn. However, in other accounts of the legend, Zeus blasts him and his sons with thunderbolts as punishment. A much more Zeus punishment, if you ask me. Pew, pew. Greek mythology is always such a mess anytime I read anything about it. The drama. So much drama. Oh, it. It's drag race. Yeah. That's what it is. Uh, truly. More togas. Then we have the story of Demarcus, uh, Demarcus of Paresa turned into a wolf after tasting the entrails of a human child sacrificed to Zeus. Oh, was this the same guy? Maybe. Who knows? How many kids' guts do they have laying around this place? Ancient Greek. Ancient Greek. Oh, well, yeah. anything, goes. anything goes. He was restored to human form from 10 years later and went on to become an Olympic champion. This tale also shared by Pliny the Elder. According to him, this was not a one-off situation. He claimed that men had been turned into wolves during sacrifices to Zeus since the time of Lycan. If they were able to abstain from eating human flesh while being wolves, they would be turned back nine years later. But if they didn't, they'd remain wolves forever. Wow, so that's a Olympic long champions. Time. So we're not down with trans athletes, but apparently werewolves are fine. Uh, ancient Greek, right? Anything goes. And there's guts everywhere, <laughs> and a lot of gay sex. I is uh, from what I heard. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sick thing. Yeah. This is also evidence of widespread real life belief in werewolves in medieval Europe and the British Isles. Werewolves were mentioned in medieval law codes such as that of King Canute, whose ecclesiastical ordinances said... <laughs> Made it through that one. <laughs> was it ecclesiastical? Bam. Oh, I did it! There oh, we go. Guys, I really did practice this one a lot. Oh, man. Uh, said the code aims to ensure that the madly audacious werewolf do not too widely devastate nor bite too many of the spiritual flock. 
whatever that means. Uh, Lutprand of Cremonia reported a rumor that Baran, son of Simeon, which uh, kind of looks like Simon with a gay E in the middle of it, of Bulgaria, could use magic to turn himself into a wolf. How nifty. Augustine of Hippo had a large influence on the development of Western Christianity, and their written works were read by medieval clergy, and hence churchmen occasionally discussed werewolves in their works. Famous examples include Gerald of Wales' Werewolves of Ossory and Gervais of Tilbury's uh, Oshia Imperalia, both written specifically for royal audiences. Sorry, peasants. Gervais states that belief in these types of transformations was widespread across Europe, also insinuating a belief in women who had the ability to turn themselves into cats and snakes. God forbid women have hobbies. Oh, right? Yeah. Let me live! God damn. Let me have a tail! <laughs> he uses the phrase, uh, when discussing these metamorphoses, which translates to, it is known. Like, you knew. Well... Gervais, who did most of their writing in Germany, also states that the transformation of men into wolves cannot be easily dismissed, for in England we have often seen men change into wolves. Cue McDouche. <laughs> the demus in infrequenter in Anglia, pergunitions, hominis in lupus mutari. Fast forward to the 11th century, the German word werewolf was first used by Bouchard von Worms, who eventually gave way to a dual form of werewolf mythology that developed in early modern Europe. On the one hand, you had the Germanic werewolf, which became associated with the great witchcraft panic. And on the other hand, you had the Slavic werewolf, or Volak, which interestingly became associated with the concept of the reverent or vampire. The Eastern werewolf vampire is found mostly in folklore from Central and Eastern Europe, including Hungary, Romania, and the Balkans, while the Western werewolf sorcerer is found primarily in France, German-speaking Europe, and in the Baltic. Way before the witch trials got their legs, there was a werewolf trial period in which being accused of secretly being a werewolf was common. Oh. LOL. It was a heavy component of the Valais witch trials in the first half of the 15th century, and accusations of child-eating werewolves were reported as early as 1448. Oh. Werewolf trials. That is wild. Yeah. That is ridiculous. Imagine, <laughs> imagine being executed. Hey, we're going to kill you because we think you're a werewolf. It's like witchcraft is like, yeah, whatever, but it's sure. like, I, I think uh. we're going to literally, I, I think <laughs> you're going to literally turn into a wolf. And, no, it's like, as in, it sounds more ridiculous. Yeah. It was like, I, we think you're literally going to turn into a wolf and, like, eat babies. That's, so, yeah. We could literally do an entire podcast on the werewolf trials because they were fucking insane. Yeah? Oh. Like. Why is this not more, I mean, bonkers. I guess the fucking witch trials have a better yeah. ring to it, I guess. Like, but. I was reading about them when I was doing some editing last night, and I was like, holy shit, these are crazy. Ooh. Like, it is that level of delusion. Like, you know what, you, you, like, like, you look like a kind yep, of guy that like will turn into a dog and eat babies. You know, there was one time I did have a friend in middle school, and we were talking about people that kind of look like animals, and I said, yeah, I was like, well, you know, you kind of look like a dog, you got like a dog looking face, and then we were not friends anymore. <laughs> I didn't mean it in a bad way. I like dogs. I was just, she did. She did it's like, God damn it. She had small eyes. 
No, get more descriptive. Go on. According to legend, one method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh out of the suspect, as the creature's matted fur could be seen within the wound. In European folklore, werewolves were said to possess giveaways, even in their human form. These features included the meeting of both eyebrows, (laughs) damn it, at the bridge of the nose, (laughs) suspiciously curved fingernails, lower set ears, and a swinging stride. A unibrow? No. That is crazy. Imagine being just like a hairy dude with a unibrow, and I was like, you know what, we're going to kill you for it. I'd like to see what a suspiciously curved fingernail looks like. Like it's curving up. Oh, I mean, probably like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's like, going like yeah, up yeah, instead yeah. of down. Oh, maybe. I don't Ooh, know. That, I mean, that would I would be suspicious of that if I saw it. I'd be concerned medically. I mean, medically. that is crime. Yeah. Imagine this is just some poor person with a unibrow and clubbed fingernails. And like, you <laughs> fucking werewolf. <laughs> it's like, you know what? On top of that, we're going to kill you. And they got like, a swinging literally. stride. They got a gay little swish in their walk. <laughs> Damn. Yikes. Of course, many of these telltale signs can be attributed to the brilliant racism of the period. Oh, God. Yes. According to legend, one method of identifying a werewolf in its human form was to cut the flesh of the suspect as the creature's matted fur could be seen within the wound. And in Russian superstition, a werewolf can be recognized by bristles under the tongue. What? They're checking under tongues for bristles? Wait, how was anyone executed then? I... Who's got a hairy tongue? And can I see it? I don't know, the bristles? Like, I did, like literally? Bristles? Like cats? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, well, there is a condition called hairy tongue syndrome. What? Yeah. Oh, what? I, I don't, it's not actual hairs, though. It's just, it's like. Bristles? They look, it looks like bristles. Whoa. If we want to pause for a second, you well, can look up a picture. people with that. <gasps> want me to show syndrome. you a picture? A little bit. Okay, cool. <laughs> pause for photos. <laughs> okay. Oh wow! Oh, no. Okay, that that is no. a lot. Oh, that is no. a lot. Um, but it doesn't look more. like. That's green. Why is it green? It comes in different shades. This can be blackish. It can be green. It can be brown. It can be white. Can you bleach it and dye this it? This dude fun needs colors? a toothbrush too. Well, yes, that's De- well, generally. Definitely. Well, goddamn, that looks like moss. That looks terrifying. That does. Uh, but I wouldn't be, like, well, if I saw that on someone, I wouldn't be like, I'm suspicious of you supernaturally. I would uh, be more like... Hygiene. Uh, yeah, hygiene. This is yes, also 1430. I know. <laughs> and well, I don't like not it. that anyone had good hygiene back then, I'm yes, sure. exactly. <laughs> I'm sure everyone smelled like rat's yeah. ass. Literally. Hey. Damn. Okay. <laughs> the... Did we start up again? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The animal appearance of the werewolf tends to vary between cultures, and in most cases it's said to be nearly indistinguishable from ordinary wolves, except for the fact that A, it has no tail, B, it's often much larger, and C, it retains its human eyes and voice. Ew. So furry. You don't even get to have the cool wolfy eyes? Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, it would kind of look weird if it's just, like, human eyes plopped onto a wolf. Yeah. Like, come on, human yeah. eyes are kind of lame. Yeah. Especially googly eyes. Yeah, <laughs> oh, please. It's <laughs> just googly eyes on a... Yeah, 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 yeah. I would be real scared. <laughs> it's like running and it's like going everywhere. 
<laughs> one of them's frozen, one of them's chilling. <laughs> According to Swedish folklore, the werewolf could be easily distinguished from a regular wolf due to the fact that it would run on three legs, stretching the fourth one backwards to look like a tail. What? Oh. Balance. After returning to their human form, werewolves are usually depicted as becoming weak, debilitated, and suffering from painful nervous depression. Same. I was about to say, me after after doing like a night of drag. Really are werewolves in every... Honestly. I am relating more and more as... I'm like, I can't walk. Get me an ice pack. I can't see... I need to eat something or I'm going to die. Retirement uh-huh. is looking closer. Oh, oh God. Mm, the universally reveled trait in medieval Europe was that the werewolves' habit of digging up and feasting upon recently buried corpses, a habit that was documented extensively in the Analyse Medico-Physiologiques in the 19th century. Ooh. Various methods have existed for supposedly removing one's werewolf form. For example, the ancient Greeks and Romans believed in the power of exhaustion in curing people of lycanthropy. The werewolf would be subjected to long periods of physical activity in the hope of being cured. This practice stemmed from the fact that many alleged werewolves would be left feeling weak and exhausted after transforming <laughs> back. Wait, what kind of activity? It's like just jumping jacks. <laughs> they, they just make them do a bunch of crunches. <laughs> God. Yeah, like a werewolf camp. <laughs> I was like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. I was doing the pacer test for when you're like, leave. Climb the rope. It's like, but I'm a cheerleader, but for werewolves. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to medieval Europe, there are three alleged methods one can use to cure a victim of lycanthropy. Medicinally, via the use of wolfsbane, surgically, or by exorcism. It should be noted, however, that many of the cures advocated by medieval medical practitioners proved fatal to the patients, as usual. Mm. So take that for what you will. A Sicilian belief of Arabic origin says that a werewolf can be cured of its ailment by striking it on the forehead or scalp with a knife or piercing it through the werewolf's hands with nails. What? Well, that'll end anyone. That's so what you're supposed like... to do. If the shark is coming to attack you too, you're supposed to punch it. Right in the nose. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, And yeah. it gets like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's how you cure a werewolf, too. A good yeah. boop will fix anything. I, it, it, well, <laughs> a lethal boop. Sharks are just werewolves of the ocean. That Change my is mind. beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. so some, beautiful. There's some, like, pack of scuba divers just transforming into werewolves. Oh, God. Or sh- sharks. Um... In the German lowland of Schleswig-Holstein, a werewolf could be cured if one were to simply address it three times by its birth name, and Danish belief says that merely scolding a werewolf will cure it. <laughs> what is well, this, Beetlejuice? <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, what? <laughs> or just shaming it. Bad I was like, no. Bad werewolf. Gets a ye old newspaper, bops it on the face. <laughs> surprising to no one it's also said that uh conversion to christianity was a common method of removing lycanthropy in the medieval period a cure so what i'm hearing it is was a propaganda yeah okay work yeah werewolves are often depicted as immune to damage caused by ordinary weapons being vulnerable only to silver objects such as silver tipped cane bullet or blade which was first adopted cinematically in The Wolfman in 1941. The negative reaction to silver is sometimes so strong that the mere touch of the metal on a werewolf's skin will cause burns. 
present day werewolf fiction almost exclusively involves lycanthropy being either a hereditary condition or being transmitted like an infectious disease by the bite of another werewolf. In some stories, the power of the werewolf extends to human form, such as invulnerability to conventional injury due to their healing factor, superhuman speed, and strength and falling on their feet from very high falls. Also, aggressiveness and animalistic urges may be intensified and more difficult to control. Again, these are sounding like some of the drag queens I know. Oh, it's more my and more God. sounding like, yeah. Not the, not the landing on their feet part. Well, they land into a split. Uh, true. Work. <laughs> Usually in these cases, the abilities are diminished in human form. The condition believed to be cured by a shaman's or medicinal antidotes. Along with their vulnerability to the silver, the full moon being the cause of the transformation only became part of the depiction of werewolves in the 12th century, in the 20th century. Ugh. I'll start that over. <clears throat> Along with their vulnerability to silver, the full moon being the cause of the transformation only became part of the depiction of werewolves in the 20th century. The first movie to feature the transformation under a full moon was Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman in 1943. Werewolves are typically depicted as working-class monsters, hmm. often seen as every man in regard to their socioeconomic status. That said, they were at times seen as a way to represent aristocratic decadence in 19th century horror literature. Damn, <gasps> monster capitalism. <laughs> I'd have to be a werewolf and poor? Goddamn. No. Over the centuries, the werewolf has gone through many phases of cultural relevance, from a feared superstition to Hollywood hit. But what if these superstitions aren't merely the result of oppressive scapegoating and old-world misunderstandings? Who's to say there's not an entire community of lycanthropes just waiting to make themselves known to the waking world? According to the Navajo people, these shapeshifters do exist. Malevolent, powerful sorcerers who gain the ability to transform after committing only the most heinous of crimes. Their goal is to cause havoc and harm, using their unique abilities to trick, deceive, and trap their victims. We are, of course, talking about the skinwalkers of Navajo lore, and we'll be right back to dig into its terrifying history. <laughs> You're home alone. You've made yourself a nice cup of tea and you've just settled in to watch one of your comfort movies. Oh, I don't know, something fun and light like The Human Centipede. You have on also your coziest favorite. pajamas your favorite slippers when out of nowhere you hear someone call your name from just outside your door. You quickly recognize the voices belonging to your partner, but something about them just sounds a bit off. You get up to go to the door to let them in. What are they doing outside at this hour anyways? You ask yourself. As your hand reaches out for the doorknob, your phone rings. You glance at the caller ID and notice it's your partner. Why are they calling you if they're right outside the door? You go to the window and peel back the curtain. By the time you realize something isn't quite right, it's too late. They know you're home. Skinwalker folklore and mythology has exploded in popularity these last few years, from feature-length movies to documentaries to viral TikTok videos. And while the fiction is compelling, the actual mythology is just as fascinating. According to Navajo mythology, a skinwalker is a shaman who gains the ability to shapeshift after committing some kind of heinous, unforgivable crime. It is believed to be capable of assuming the form of any animal, including humans. 
In Navajo culture, the skinwalker is a relatively taboo subject, and people generally avoid talking about it for fear of attracting its attention. As a matter of fact, the Navajo word for skinwalker is generally unspoken outside of the culture itself. The skinwalker is said to be able to take on the form of any animal, wolves, coyotes, bears, and eagles. However, some people believe that the skinwalker can also take on the form of other humans, which allows them to move around undetected. This is where the major creep factor comes in for me. The idea of someone you know not being, well, you know, someone you know, but wearing their face as sort of like a mask to get close to you? No, thank you. In Navajo culture, the skinwalker is associated with death and misfortune, and it's believed that they have the power to bring illness, death, and destruction to any of those unlucky enough to cross their path. So... The lead singer from System of a Down, his name is Serge Tonkin, and he had a spinoff series that he did called Fear Itself, and it was eight episodes, I think, eight or 12, and they were so good, and the scariest one ever still is the Skinwalker one. Oh, my God. Grady. Oh, my God. It was so scary to me when I first saw it. What's the actor? The actor. Uh, Doug Jones. Uh, I, was it Doug Jones? It's terrifying. It's absolutely it the scariest fucking thing. No. Oh my. Oh, okay. It's really so. This is the lead singer of System of a Down. He came out with a little like uh like horror series oh. of different like uh like legends and mythologies, and there's a Skinwalker one. Um, and I had never heard of Skinwalkers or anything. I think I was in like seventh grade or something <clears throat> when I saw this, and it like his face is burned into my mind. No! Don't show me! Oh my god! Oh my god. This is terrifying. Oh, it's so awful. It's so scary. And the way that he talks to his wife, because it's like, you know, it's... It's not quite human. Exactly. But but it looks human, but but it's like the uncanny valley-ness of it. It's so scary. He's he's come in. He'd been lost, like, out... uh, They, like, they live out in the country. Mistake number one. Everything is scary out there. There's too much room. There's not enough light. (laughs) I'm afraid. And he goes off on a hunting trip with a friend and they get lost. There's like a big ass storm or something that comes in and he finally comes back after a couple days and he looks bad. I mean, he's like frostbitten hands and feet, like looking like death walking. And they're like, what happened? And he's like, there was a storm. And, um, I had to eat my friend. And you're like, yeah, cause they got trapped and things got bad. And he's in the house, and she's trying to, like, nurse him back to health. And he's just, just imagine just, like, creepy fingers and teeth. Kind of, like, uh, and just, like, and, and he's tall and lanky, and then he's frostbitten. And he is, like, he's, like, I want to eat you. Like, just like that. Just <laughs> like that. I'm pretty sure he does yeah. tell her he wants to eat her or something. Or he wants to eat, like, yeah. the kids or something. It was very fucking scary. My favorite piece of Skinwalker... Well, it's, like, not specifically Skinwalker in a Navajo sense. Is that how it's... Mm-hmm. In a Navajo sense. Mm-hmm. But um, It Follows. Have y'all seen that movie? Uh-huh. It's so scary. I know. And it's just, like, keep chasing you. And it mm-hmm. won't give up. And it looks like... And it looks like people. It, But it's not quite human. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the uncanny valley-ness of it. It's so fucking scary. <laughs> yeah. So I think... Skin and Bones episode is technically Wendigo story. Oh, damn it. But they're of of the same... Similar similar idea. They're not the same? They're just similar. But they are similar enough that it's relevant to it. But yeah. So, no, that's... Me, a dummy. Just scared. No, not at all. (laughs) That's great. Um, 
According to legend, it's believed that there are several ways to protect yourself from one of the influences of skinwalkers. Wearing a piece of turquoise jewelry is said to ward off evil spirits, and carrying with you a small pouch of white cornmeal is believed to be a symbol of purity and can be used to draw a protective circle. In some cases, people would perform entire ceremonies to protect themselves from the skinwalker. In one variation of the Navajo legend, it's believed that a skinwalker was originally a shaman during their human life. However, they committed a heinous act against those close to them in order to drain and absorb their souls, granting the skinwalker supernatural powers. With the power, they developed the ability to transform into any animal of their choosing, beast and human alike. It is said that the skinwalker possesses a unique skill to mimic familiar voices using this deceptive tactic to lure their intended victims to their demise. <laughs> the voice, the, the, that, <laughs> that is what gets me. Like something talking in a voice that is familiar to you but it's not them at all. Uh-huh. Is, yeah, that, the idea of that is super terrifying. I can, I can only see Grady's face in my head right now. Yeah. And so it's, sorry, it's so scary. Why did you show me? <laughs> I would say we should, if, if you can find it, you should actually watch the video. Okay. I, I on Amazon. You have Is to it rent it. On yeah. Oh. Right. I know. Thanks, Jeff Bezos. Encounters with these shapeshifters have been recounted only by a select few who dare to speak of their experiences describing the various methods used by skinwalkers to inflict harm. Some have reported hearing distinct knocks on windows or banging on, or sometimes in, walls, while others claim to have caught animalistic figures peering in through their windows. According to the Navajo legend, these powerful beings are rarely caught or exposed. However, those who are determined enough to track down a skinwalker and reveal their true identity have a potential weapon at their disposal. It's believed that simply uttering the full name of the skinwalker will cause it to fall victim to illness or even death, finally facing the consequences of for the atrocities they have committed. Like a Rumpelstiltskin kind of thing. Seems to be a, a very... Powerful move. Just the name. It just it, between the werewolves and and this and everything else. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's like if someone calls me by my human name when I'm in drag and they oh my God, really please. see me fucking fall apart. <laughs> <Yeah>. Woo! <laughs> please. Oh my God. You know, there, there, was, there were times where I've literally like tried to remember what your human name is and I was like and I like I know it. <laughs> you're permanently like calling skinwalkers name to like get it away and i was like actually that's my dead name <laughs> you can't call me that <laughs> despite the navajo people's belief that the skinwalker is a taboo subject there have been numerous reports of encounters with skinwalkers in recent years. These encounters are often accompanied by feelings of extreme fear and dread and activation of the fight or flight response. I'm a freeze. You're, you're a freeze? I'm a freeze, three, which is so lame. I hate, I'd rather be the other two. I don't care which one, but just being a like, Ugh! Like, playing possum just any time. It just is so lame. I mean, if you stay that way long enough, they'll just eventually go away. And it's like... Not in my experience. No? They just keep <laughs> talking to you? Yes! I'm stuck! Just, catch, yeah, can't catch a clue. Goddamn. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Which one are you? 
Hmm. Are you a fight or a flight? Or I'm a, a flight. I think so. I I I don't really like confrontation like that. Although you just told me something. I maybe I don't even know if this can be included, but you just told me that um, Drac just simply just stops engaging in conversation if she doesn't want to, which is uh, yeah, which is a which is such a powerful. Thing I know. To do. I'm like I wish I could do that. Just I like wish that I had the nerve stop. to do that. Like I look back on so many times in my life where someone asked me a question and I didn't want to answer it, but I felt like by some horrible force that I had to. So I had to give them a answer. Doesn't matter which kind or what. But with Drac, I've asked her questions before and she doesn't want to answer and she just doesn't. She just like stops engaging <laughs> in the just, conversation just like, whatsoever. Just like, yeah. They're just like, we'll walk off and I'm oh like, Oh my god. Right. Wait, I have a really funny um Astrid one time found out that Drac <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Drac um loved jazz or something, and Astrid loves jazz. Oh I know. And I was like, Astrid like tried to come up to Drac and I was like, Oh my god, Drac, I heard you like jazz. And I was like, Do you like this and this and this? And Drac just goes, ha and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Oh my god. That's Drag the kind of confidence I want to have in my so life. So funny. Is the ability to like not feel obligated to be res- like, you know, I don't owe anyone anything. If they no. ask me something stupid, I can laugh in their face and it's okay. No, I yeah, exactly. But I was like <laughs> that was just really funny because like <laughs> Astro was just like genuinely really <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, you like jazz." And she just kind of like <laughs> And walked away. I love like, it. That's so fucking funny to me. I love it. What a superpower. <laughs> uh, witnesses describe skinwalkers as having a humanoid form with animalistic features or looking like a distorted version of the animal they're attempting to mimic. Ew. Some people have reported hearing strange noises, such as the sound of animals walking on two legs or a child crying in the night, while other unlucky souls have reported seeing strange lights in the sky or unusual animal behavior surrounding the appearance of a skinwalker. Because they know. Animals are smart. They always know. They always know. Dogs bark. They always know. They see ghosts. Cows circle up when there's going to be a storm. I know. Yeah, trust the animals. It's like always. Oh, yeah. Yeah, always, always, always. I'd much rather talk to an animal than a human any day, every day, forever. Humans suck. Yeah. There's an old adage that, like, when tigers are deaf, they follow the rats. Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so smart. These are the survival skills yeah. that I like to follow, have. Follow, <laughs> um, yeah, rats, cockroaches, or share. They'll know how to survive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. She doesn't need to turn back time. No, she doesn't. Nope. She's going to survive through it. She believes in life after love. Thank you. <laughs> it should be noted that in the majority of Navajo culture, witchcraft is not encouraged or even talked about. And many stories of witchcraft coming from Native Americans were actually written and shared by the white settlers who came up with them. These stories have loaned themselves to perpetuating harmful stereotypes, none of which are even remotely true. The folklore is nonetheless fascinating and only becomes more so when considering eyewitnesses encounters peoples who have reported in regards to their run-ins with shapeshifters, regardless of their origin. To close out this monsterific episode of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver, we'll be taking a look at some of these eyewitness accounts right after this very brief musical sting.
See, I told you it would be very brief and musical and stinging. If you were to take to the internet right now and do a quick search for true shapeshifter stories, you'd get inundated with results. Page after page after page after page of folks sharing their terrifying run-ins with this particular branch of the supernatural. One particularly famous account of a run-in with something dates back to 1936 on a small rural road outside of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, a creature known as the Beast of Bray Road. The Beast of Bray Road is often described by witnesses as a large, between six and seven feet tall, with humanoid-styled body, a head resembling a wolf, oh. and large, glowing red or orange eyes. <laughs> is it single? <laughs> <laughs> Does she take bookings? <laughs> Please. We want to book her. <laughs> Let's collab. Though the creature was allegedly first sighted in 1936, in the 1980s, several alleged witnesses reported the beast made contact with their vehicles, leaving long scratch marks on doors and trunks. One witness stated she hit the creature while crossing Bray Road as she exited her vehicle to determine that what she had hit, a large wolf-like creature with red eyes, chased her back into her car, leaving claw marks in the rear passenger door and her very frightened. Sightings also have been reported during daylight hours, Oh, with several witnesses stating they observed an unusually large wolf-like creature running on all fours through cornfields, one even claiming the creature was in pursuit of a deer. Animal mutilations have also been reported in the area around Bray Road, with animal remains, including deer and livestock, partially eaten with specific organs removed from the animal carcasses. Another witness reported driving down Bray Road late one night, to find an unusually large wolf-like creature eating an animal which had been hit by a car on the side of the road. The creature reportedly ran into the woods as the eyewitness approached it. In February 2018 and July 2020, alleged witnesses reported observing a large hairy creature in Spring Prairie and Lyons, Wisconsin, both of which are a part of Walworth County along with Elkhorn. They're all in the same place. The fact that these reports have remained relatively consistent since the 1930s lends at the very least some credence to them, but any good piece of folklore isn't without its detractors and possible explanations. Those that doubt the existence of the Beast of Bray Road have offered many explanations for the creature's appearances, from escaped Great Pyrenees, like the one that the tour bus hit in Nevada. Oh my god, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, can we, yeah, no, quick, as, as like, uh, uh, context. So while we were on tour, I think this was when we were going from uh, Vegas This was, this was to... the season four tour, yes. the U.S. tour, yes, and yes, we, yes. Was, we had just done the L.A. stop, and we were on our way to... Phoenix. Phoenix, but we had an off day in between yes. um, because of all of the driving that had to happen. And we are sleeping on the bunk while, uh, you know, the bus Picture is driving. It. Hoso's on, like, the very bottom one. Oh, Anytime my Anytime that God. she had to get into her bunk bed, she had to lay on the floor and then roll into it <laughs> no. just to get into her <laughs> And you know what? It was and so then... fucking funny because every morning I would walk out, like, I'm, the fu <laughs> I'm fucking Sadako from the ring. Yes. <laughs> with, like, my hair all messy, and I would, like, crawl up and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> Like a toothbrush <laughs> And oh my god, there was something loose on like the wheel that was right beneath me. Did you the feel entire it? time? You so it, it was like, no, because while I was asleep, and thank god I can sleep through war, because it was on my ear the entire time. The oh, it was the loudest flap. possible. Yeah, it was like something flapping against the wheels just the entire time, like of the tour. 
And I I just was right next to my ear. Meanwhile, there's me. I'm up on the third because the, the bunk are. beds on, on this bus are three high instead of two. So Saint had the middle one because she'd gotten on the bus first and Please. she immediately would like threw her shit and she's like, called it. And all of the other middle ones, which there were three others to choose from, were taken by crew members. Yeah. So I opted. I said, well, it might be better for me to uh, like physically uh, like brave myself to like smash my head on the ceiling every single time I get into a bunk instead of um, potentially getting stepped on on the ground or getting kicked. So... Every time that I had to like climb up to the third bunk, I'd have to sink my nails LOL. in between the mattress and the bed frame and hope that I would not break one off because there was no time to stop and get one Please. repaired. And I'd hit my head every time or I'd scrape my back on the ceiling part of it because it really is. They were what? How high? They're probably oh, two feet. It was high. tiny. It, it was, was tiny. It was two f- it, yeah. They were all, they were like two feet tall Girl. and probably about like six and a half long. And then Gosh. maybe, my God. I think maybe two and a half wide. Yeah. It really, it's just enough for you to lay, like, lay, lay, yeah. It's a coffin. It's a coffin, which is very on brand. It was. This night, we were driving on the tour bus, and it it was a long night on the road. It was. You know, in more ways than one. But the following morning, we woke up in Nevada, and I, uh, like, scuttled out of the bunk as quickly as possible because I knew we were at a casino, and I was about to. Show Hoso how to game. I know. And wait, no, I won. Okay, I won whole seventeen dollars without losing money. Which is okay? great. That you know what? I wouldn't call that bad. But the point of the story was that when I did wake up, the bus driver told me that he had hit a dog in the middle of the night while driving, and I said what? So. And he said, yeah, it was like one of those big great Pyrenees or like Samoy dogs or something. He's like they were running in a pack in a field as I was going through one vet. I was like. Those are big dogs. I was like, how is there a pack of them? Yeah, and it was like, I was like, hair they... and blood. I'm like, god damn. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. I got off the bus, and I looked at the grill, and it was full of hair. And I screamed, and then I told Swan about it, and she said, it's an omen. And then yeah, she... Yeah, no, Swan was like, And then she, like, levitated ominous. out <laughs> into the hotel. <laughs> oh, my God. What, so. what a way to kick off. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it was a beast of uh, Nevada. Yeah. Instead of Bray Road, it might have made its way over there. I mean, there is like Nevada is an extension of other countries. Nevada did not know that is scary. The whole, yeah, the whole, the whole southwest is fucking weird. Yeah. So is something wasn't all there, of it. For sure, they're all weird. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me a part that's not weird. Iowa. There's Out nothing. Southwest. No, but I'm just saying a just part of the country. Oh. Just yeah. corns and vibes. Yeah. Corn and vibes. Yeah. Corn vibes. One of the best experiences I had was in uh, North Miami Pizza Ranch. Oh, my God. Okay, Pizza Ranch wasn't that great. Pizza Ranch is great. <laughs> 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 I did Iowa Prize um, this year. That was great. That was in, they, uh, uh, she did Iowa City. Yeah, I, I did yeah. Iowa City Pride with Astrid and Miss J. Jolie. <sighs> and her. we got... And they showed you a good <laughs> Iowa time. They turned you inside out, out with alcohol. Yeah, exactly. Did you go to Pizza Ranch? That's the most important question. No, no. but it was still a fun time regardless. Yeah. Those that doubt the existence of the Beast of Bray Road have offered many explanations for the creature's appearances, from escaped Great Pyrenees to wayward lone gray wolf scavenging for food. However, to those who have had run-ins with the notorious beast, the creature's existence can't be merely explained away by stray dogs. To the south, 
In the small town of Gregton, Texas, rumblings began in the 1960s about a mysterious shape-shifting creature thanks to a report in Fate magazine. Though the details are much more hazy, they're no less compelling. According to reports, this is one of a very small number of eyewitnesses in which a transformation was actually observed. Miss Delbert Gregg recalled one night in 1958. With her husband away on a business trip, she moved her bed close to a screen window, hoping to catch some cool breeze from a thunderstorm brewing on the southwestern horizon. Despite hearing a scratching sound from the window, she thought nothing of it and shortly fell asleep after. What? That, you know what? A lullaby. Good for her. (laughs) In a flash of lightning, she was startled awake and greeted with a huge, shaggy, wolf-like creature clawing at the screen and staring at her with glowing, slitted yellow eyes, its fangs bared hungrily. As she leapt from her bed to grab a flashlight, the creature darted into a nearby overbush. Miss Gregg said, I watched for the animal to come out of the bushes, but after a short time, instead of a great shaggy wolf running out, the figure of an extremely tall man suddenly parted the thick foliage and walked hurriedly down the road, disappearing into the darkness. This sounds like Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) Whether or not other people had similar run-ins with this mysterious creature is anyone's guess, but the account itself even if solitarily, is no less compelling. I'm sure it was just a dude I'm sh- scary dude stuff. I'm sure it was a wet dream she had after reading <laughs> Twilight. Ah, that, I'm sure yeah. that's what it was. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe this creature at the screen was probably just one of those, like, like a cat. Just like a really mean cat trying to get in. <laughs> I've, yeah. seen, I've, I've seen a mean cat like at a screen window trying to get in. I can imagine if it was dark. Than it was. Yeah, like shadows, yeah. yeah. And it could have been it and there could have just been the guy just hanging out in the bushes, just doing bush guy hanging out in the bushes. <laughs> bush guy, guy stuff. things. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. bush guy things. Yeah. You know, just dude stuff. What dudes do. Well, my groovy ghoulies, that about wraps up another exciting episode of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver. Whether we're talking werewolves, dogmen, skinwalkers, or the many various shapeshifters discussed the world over, I, for one, am just glad we don't necessarily have to love the skin we're in. All it takes is a blood curse, a magic talisman, or diabolical acts of depravity, and you too could morph into a creature fueled only by anger and hate, stalking the countryside for your next prey. Or start doing drag. Exactly. Same thing. The same there are a lot thing, of like uh, when but I've just a lot more expensive. A wig that's just slightly too tight on my head makes me go from zero to rage real quick. Oh, absolutely! And it, any aspect about you can be changed, and drag constantly proves that. There's a reason I don't wear tights. Well, your tattoos, baby—they're gorgeous. Show it off, but no, but otherwise, too, I hear though. I hear people complain all the time about wearing six pairs of tights and how they can't feel their toes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, but you have to cut the ends though. It's not for me. As always, we sincerely hope you enjoyed the show and kindly thank you for your support so far and hope that you'll continue to tune in for future episodes of Gorgeous with me, Sigourney Beaver. Big thank you to the lovely Hoso Teratoma for hanging out with us today at Douche Manor. Be sure to share the podcast with your favorite fiends and phantoms and subscribe wherever your favorite podcasts are found. There we go. Bye. That was fun.